Do you believe it? God is a consuming fire. So glad you're here. If you're here and you're a guest, please know we're honored that you're here. My name is Jeff. Take your Bibles out. Find the book of 2 Corinthians, please. God is fire. I've had that thought in my heart for quite a while. While, while preparing this series especially, we, we need the fire of God. We need the fire of God to cleanse us and to purify us. Amen. We need, we need to understand that we need to be consumed by Him. Week one of our series, we ask a pretty big question, is the church necessary? And we arrived at the conclusion that yes, it most certainly is. And we came to that conclusion based on just a partial verse in 1 Timothy that simply says, this is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. We need the church. Amen. In week number two, we asked the question, who's calling the shots? It's not me. It's not you. It's got to be God. Amen. And we determined that we can say that and we can believe that because of what is spoken in Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus told his disciples, I have been given all authority, all authority. I've been given all authority on heaven, in heaven and on earth. And we just kind of concluded, we wrapped it up and put a big bow on it and said, the problem has been that we replaced Jesus, the church has replaced Jesus as the Lord over the church. And we've put ourselves in that position because we have created these committees and these little groups of people that are calling the shots. God calls the shots. Done. God calls the shots. It's up to you and I to carry it out. Amen. We've taken our texts and kind of started each one of these messages with 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I'd ask you to go there and I want us to dive into our third part. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we'll begin with verse 1. I'll ask you again, are you glad to be here today? It's good to be in the house of the Lord, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse one, your Bible says this, I hope you will put up with a little more of my foolishness. <laughs> I, I could have easily wrote that myself. Please bear with me. I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. God help us promised you as a pure bride. That is where I 
took the title for the series from I Promised You as a Pure Bride to One Husband, Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. You know how that happened. It happened because the enemy twisted the word of God. That's how you and I will be deceived. If we are going to be deceived, it will be because we have had the word twisted. And we haven't taken it for what God said. Rather, we have listened to the enemy's slant. Amen. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach. Or a different kind of spirit than the one you received. Or a different kind of gospel than the one you believe. But I don't consider myself inferior to any, in any way to these super apostles. <laughs> Paul, man, he's something, man. Who teach such things. I may be unskilled as a speaker, but I am not lacking in knowledge. We have made this clear to you in every possible way. And the church said, this week I want us to get into the personality of the church as it should be based on the Word of God. Number three, take your worship guide out. I'd ask you to take notes. If God says something, it's worth writing down. Amen? We're going to answer this question this week. What are the characteristics of a Holy Spirit-controlled church? We determined last week who should call the shots. So what should that look like? We can't just say, yeah, God's in control, and then continue to do things the way we've always done them. Amen? So I want us to dive into the reality that we've got to know what the characteristics are of a spirit-filled church. And by that I mean, what is the church known for? The, the church will be known by her characteristics. The church will be known by her actions. The church will be known by her character, if you will. In Acts 2, when the Spirit fell on those in the upper room, we, we, we talked about that a, a few Wednesdays ago. Man, I love that story. I love the book of Acts, my favorite book in the Bible. I've told you many times, I, I, I read it through at least once a week. That's my goal. I've, I've not done it every time, but that's my goal. I usually get through it every week. I, just, I get something new every time. And in Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit fell on those in the upper room and they began to speak in tongues and filled with the Spirit of God, listen, it changed everything. Did you hear me? And now listen, the character of the church changed at that moment. At that moment, what Christ's followers were known for changed. And it was intended to be changed forever. But like everything else, people like me got in the way. Men got in the way. Women got in the way. But when the Spirit fell, and they began to evangelize, and they began to operate in the gifts, and they began to spread the good news, the character of the church changed 
drastically and God's plan was permanently. And right after the scene in the upper room, and I would have just encouraged you to read it, read Acts, read all of Acts. It's just, it's, it's awesome. You'll, 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 if you don't fall in love, if you don't fall in love with Peter and Paul and a handful of other dudes and want to, and ladies, and want to just, man, I, I want to live, that's what I want to be. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to become. If you, if you read the book of Acts, absorb it. Let, let the Spirit illuminate it for you. If you read that and let that happen, I'm telling you to change your life forever. Right after that scene, people began to accuse those who were operating in those gifts as being drunks. That's what they said. They call them drunks. Man, you bunch of drunks acting all, acting all stupid. Peter wasn't having none of it, though. Probably one of the greatest success stories in all of the scriptures outside of the resurrection. If you study the Gospels, you know that Peter was Peter. He kind of, well, he was a little presumptuous. He kind of shot from the hip. He'd done stuff and then he thought about it. But after the last book of John, of the Gospels, after Jesus restored him, after Jesus had reconciliation with this incredible man who was brave and bold, but didn't always think things through, can I get an amen? You turn the page, you find the book of Acts. He wasn't having people talking about the church. He wasn't, he wasn't there to play games anymore. He wasn't, there, he wasn't there for any reason than to spread the good news of Jesus. We're talking about the characteristics and character of the church. And in Acts chapter 2 verse 14, I think you see it in your notes. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice. Look at it again, please. But Peter, say the next two words. Standing up, say it again. Standing up with the eleven, what did he do? He raised his voice. Peter stood. And he lifted his voice. He wasn't having it. There was something on his heart that had to be said. There was something that he had to do. He couldn't sit by any longer. Notice in this partial verse, we see the new character of the church. We see the new characteristic of the church. Peter stood up and he lifted up. Everybody say stood up and lifted up. Listen, this, this is the characteristic of the church that is led by, fed by the Spirit of God. He stood up and he lifted up. He became a living witness to the people that would listen. He stood up. I believe it's time that the church stood up. 
Now listen, and, I, and, and that, that's not me wagging a finger, man, at, at like, you know, the, how bad the church is. There's a reality that we are so afraid to offend. Come on now. We're so afraid to offend. And, and I'm not saying, man, go... You, you know, you can, you can share a story that is incredibly harsh, the story of the cross. You know, you can do that and not be a jerk about it. Now, now you, you will offend Satan, and you, you may offend some people with that message, but, but check our motive, and if our motive is not to be that guy, you follow me? If your motive is not to be you're wrong and I'm right and et cetera, et cetera, you don't have to be offensive. It will offend, but you don't have to be offensive. I think it's time that the church realize we've got to take back what we've lost. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. But then he raised up. He stood up. Man, and, and, and now remember, we're, it's Peter. He stood up before, didn't he? He stood up before. It didn't turn out so well. Most of the time he stood up. He should have stayed seated. He should have shut up instead of stood up. And, and we all know the stories of Peter. If you don't, man, email me. I'm going to send you the stories because they're awesome. One, they're hilarious. Kind of sad but usually turned out awesome. Amen? Amen? And Jesus was always glorified. That's the best part. He raised up. He wasn't silent any longer. And what did he raise his voice about, Jesus? That's what he talked about. And I love, I love in that sermon that he preached right there in, in Acts, man. He went all the way back to the beginning. And, and, and listen, man, he pulled no punches. If Peter would come into a church today and preach, they'd run his backside out of there so fast. Because he, he just looked at him and said, y'all crucified Jesus. You know, it's your fault, right? And you know what? He was so right. I crucified Jesus. I crucified Jesus. And your Bible says that every time we continue to not accept that grace and continue to sin, we crucify him again. And if you know anything about the crucifixion, I don't want to do that. He lifted up Jesus. He talked about the things he had witnessed. Everything that was beyond humanly or earthly possible. That's what Peter talked about. He began to take his stand. And again, he'd done it before. But now he understood the rest of the story. He finally understood the resurrection, the purpose of it. He finally understood all that Jesus was trying to teach him. And it wasn't just about a kingdom here. See, that's the thing. Jesus always talked about a kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God coming to earth. But they always understood it as a kingdom here. And then, after the revelation that Peter had and those in the upper room and the experience that they had, they understood, no, no, I get it. I get it now. It is heaven coming to earth. It is the kingdom of God and us existing in that here and now. Amen. 
He wanted to influence people who had not listened before, who had not yet experienced this incredible message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wanted everyone to know the truth, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. So he lifted his up in a, his voice up in a powerful and an uh, unapologetic way. But again, he wasn't a jerk about it. This is where the church kind of messes it up a little bit. And, 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 and pardon me, I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not being condescending. I'm, this is just, we think it's got to be one way or the other. It's either got to be super chill and, and, and super seeker friendly, or it's got to be like hyper legalistic. No, no, the, there's a thing called you be you, I'll be me. Let's be saved by the incredible grace of God and go change the world. I love the diversity of the church. I love the diversity of this church. There's no one in this church like you. We're all glad. But there's no one in the church like me. You're like super glad. I love the diversity of the church. And, and finally, after, after, after the Spirit of God fell, they kind of got that. And, and it was okay. And they did what they were assigned to do. Just like a quick sidebar. Isn't it time the church, the local church, stopped trying to carry on in her own power? Yes. I mean, isn't it, I mean I, I, seriously, I'm open for correction. And, I'm, and I mean this. And you know I do. Can you in any way disagree that it's time that the church stopped trying to do things her way? It's time, man. It's time. It's time. It's past time. It's past time. I believe it makes God a little nauseous. In fact, your Bible says it does. It makes him a little sick to his stomach, if you will, to see what his church has become because we're trying to run his heavenly institution, if you will, in an earthly way. And he don't go for that. But the local church that operates in the power of the Spirit, They will offer something to the lost and to the hurting and to the broken that's different than a band-aid. They have something that they can give and they will be consistent in giving of that gift of the gospel of Jesus. It won't be something that, you know, you do this week but you don't do the next week. And, you know, it, 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 there's a consistency in the way that a church that operates under the lordship of Jesus Christ and the guidance of the Holy Spirit of the living God. There's something about that that will be consistent. I'm not saying it'll look the same every time. I'm saying it'll be consistent. The method I couldn't care less about. The message will never change. Never change. Never, ever change. So if living water or any church is going to be the bride that Jesus longs for, if they're going to make a difference, 
We've got to fight. We've got to stand and lift up. So if you're taking notes, characteristics of a strong church, they will, first of all, fight encroachment. Fight encroachment. You're like, bro, it's awesome. It has the word fight in it, so it must be cool. I want want you to just kind of stay with me for a second. The characteristics of a spirit-led church, spirit-filled church, we will fight encroachment. In other words, we got to fight for, live for, walk in, and teach truth. And we can't let half-truths Enter the equation. There are borders that we must protect spiritually. We can't spiritually. See, I could take a long time and talk about the way I feel. And live and wholeheartedly believe about natural borders and spiritual borders. But I ain't going to do that. Because somehow you're going to hear that as a political speech. So I'm not going to do that. So what I'm talking about are spiritual borders. Spiritual We can't drag something, some half-truth from the enemy into the church. So we've got to fight that encroachment because you need to understand that's what the enemy wants to do. Listen, that's the only way he can mess this up because he cannot, he can't mess with our spirit. Did you know that? We belong, we belong to Jesus. Our spirit belongs to Jesus. We were bought and paid for. Do you get that? Right on, man. We are, we're slaves to Jesus Christ. And we do that Humbly, and we submit ourselves and surrender ourselves to that. We just can't allow. We've got to fight for it. I, I, and, I'm, and again, man, I'm not. I'm not down on the church. I love the church. I love Jesus' bride. I'd be a fool to talk bad about Jesus' bride, like you'd be a fool to talk bad about mine, and I'd be a fool to talk bad about yours. I'm just trying to uncover some real. Real things that need to be addressed. Amen? You with me? See, we got to go back to a grassroots type of faith system. I want you to think about this. Just consider this. The, the, The men and women who were brave enough to pioneer this country. You know we're not that old. I said we're not that old. I mean, we think we we think we got this, man. We think we got this figured out. We, we think we, we know it all. Come on now. We, we're arrogant. Can we just get on board with that? We have a, a horrendous sense of entitlement. Can anybody agree with the preacher today? All right. All right. Think about the men and women who were brave enough to pioneer this nation and took over a wilderness to conquer it. Did you hear me? What they do, they grab their axes, they grab their sickles, not the one that 
we love, but the kind that cuts stuff down. And, and, and they went into the unknown. Now, now, now put yourself in this. They, 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 they forged their way into the unknown. And there they built houses. They built places to dwell. And then they did something that they knew they had to do very quickly. They began to plant seeds. 100% of the time. Once they... Usually it was at the same time. But after they had a place of covering... They began to plant seed. <clears throat> After they had a place of covering, they knew they, to survive, they had to plant seed. And that's what they would do. Because I didn't pay attention in school, like I should have kids. I just kind of did a little study briefly because I, I, my ADD is I can't study long. So I, I just did a little study on the men and women who made that incredible journey and what they did. And so they began to plant Seeds, they planted corn, potatoes, grain, and a handful of other vegetables. I mean, that's, really, that's about it. And what they didn't do is plant some seeds and then go to sleep until it was time for the harvest. They, 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 they created a dwelling place then they planted some seeds. They didn't plant some seeds and then just go back to the dwelling place and not give a care about the seed. They couldn't do that. Here's what they had to do. They had to constantly fight encroachment from the wilderness. Because the wilderness wanted to get in and destroy the seed. It's called nature, man. It's called just the way things are. It's, it, it, I'm not pointing at any organization. I'm not pointing towards any demographic. I'm saying the natural order of things and the spiritual order of things is when you plant seed, you've got to fight encroachment from things wanting to kill the seed. Amen. My daddy made me hoe the corn when he had a garden. And because I don't know jack about gardening. He left one morning to go to work and said, I want the corn hoed by the time I got home. I got it. I got this, Dad. I, all I wanted to do ever was please Dad. I mean, I, I, I already had Mom. Mom, Mom, Mom. I was the youngest, so I was good. <laughs> but I still, man, outside of playing music, I needed Dad to notice me to do something, right? I got this, Dad. Got it. I got it. I got this. I hold that corn, man, like nobody's business. I was so proud of myself. And then he got home. Do you hold the corn? Yes, sir. 
Let's go take a look at it. All right. We walk up to the back of the house, back of the, his property there. He's like, where's my beans? I don't know. You tell me. I don't know a bean from a pea. I had beans planted all around these corn so they would grow up the corn stalks. Is that right? <laughs> that would have been good to know, Pop. <laughs> I encroached. See, I, I didn't know what should be there and what shouldn't be there. And when you don't know what should be there and what shouldn't be there, you won't know what to fight or what to help flourish. My daddy wasn't the happiest with me, but he understood. He even said, you know what? I should have told you. And that's what I'm doing today. Somebody needs to tell you. I'm not saying you don't know, and I'm not talking down to you. I'm just saying we need reminded we've got to fight encroachment. Amen and amen. And I believe there's some fields some churches, some houses of God that aren't fruitful and they don't yield a harvest because the weeds of the wilderness, they weren't diligently fought off. And confusion now is the center of the church. Unless there is a constant fighting off of this encroachment of the wilderness, there cannot be a harvest. Amen. And how do you know when you're not fighting encroachment? How do you know when you're not fighting to keep the world from corrupting the church. Well, when you start feeling like you got this, when you, when you think, when I think I've got it figured out, I've stopped fighting encroachment. I'd love to give you a verse. Revelation chapter 3. You know this is where letters are being written to the church. Some say it's historical data. I disagree. We can see in 2019, soon to be 2020, pictures of the church today in those letters. Amen? I personally believe we are in one of those church ages as we speak. I'll read a little something about it. He wrote to the church of Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, said, You say... I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't even realize you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. See, you start thinking we're okay. We're good, man. We're good. And I'm not saying that we're not. But I'm saying we've got to be careful. And we've got to fight encroachment. Amen? We've got to fight for what we have to keep it. Are you feeling me? Not, not each other. Don't, don't mishear me, please. Not the church down the street. My God, I want to tear down every denominational wall I can find. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about fighting the enemy, not letting him encroach. We've got to have those that will stand and lift their voice. But now, because I, I've been in church all my life, 
That don't make me more spiritual or better than anybody else. But man, I've seen a thing or two. I'm like that commercial. Because we've seen a thing or two. I've seen a, I've seen a thing or a hundred. I know that everybody's not on the same spiritual plane. Did you know that's okay? Hey, look, man. I don't care where you are in your walk. I care. But I mean, I'm not as concerned with where you are in your walk with Jesus as I am that you keep walking. Man, one step in front of the other. Ah, man, I, 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 I can't retain stuff in the Bible. Man, I, I get it. I totally get it. Keep reading it. Because one day you're going to spout something out of your mouth. And you're going to go, I didn't know I knew that. Am I right, though? You, you see, there's some that, that need to stand up and open their mouth. There's some that need to be quiet. And you know what their job is? They need to be on the wall watching. What we need to hear from some of us is not what we need to do. We need some to just sound the alarm. And then those who sound the alarm can learn as they watch those who fight the encroachment. That's, that's the way, that's the way Jesus' church was built. And those who tried to fight when they weren't empowered to fight would fail. And those who didn't think they could fight but were empowered to fight would conquer armies. We got to fight encroachment. Amen and amen. We got to keep our field healthy. If you agree with that, let me hear it. We got to stand up. We got to raise up. A church with strong character will fight encroachment. Secondly, a church with strong character will seek power will seek power. You can't be okay where you are. And I'm not saying where you are is bad. My prayer for me every single day, my prayer for my family every single day, for you, the amazing body that God has humbled me and give me the privilege to just stand and share the word with week after week, my prayer for you is that you will never be complacent where you are. That you'll never be okay where you are. You're like, dude, your kids must like, never be able to satisfy. No, no, listen. Every time you hit the bar, raise it, man. Raise it. Because when you become okay with where you are spiritually, you'll no longer seek a more intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. You will put it, man, in neutral and you'll just go and coast. God didn't call us to coast. He called us to change the world. Amen. Oh, man. To be part of something that earnestly, sacrificially, prayerfully, and steadfastly. Man, listen. we've got to long to be more powerful today than we were yesterday. And that, we know where that power comes from. Amen? 
The same power that was in the upper room. Let me read Acts 2, verse 33 for you. You'll see it on the screen behind me. Now he is exalted to the place of highest, highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. There, were, there was power in the presence of the people when Jesus was there. The characteristic of a strong church and a spirit-led church, they'll want to seek more power. We've got to live in such a way that we are geared for the things that are eternal and not temporary. Amen. We've got to live heaven's life here. Amen. We've got to put our loyalty to Jesus first. At any cost. At any cost. Can I be honest with you? And I know it's a little cliche. and You've heard it so much, you're sick of hearing it. And I get it. I'm sick of saying it. Anything less than letting Jesus be Lord of the church is nothing more than a place full of just really nice people. And there's a whole lot of nice people that don't know Jesus. Man, I got friends that don't know Jesus. They don't, they, I don't know that they've ever even been to church. They are nicer. Never mind. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah. Listen. I don't need a club full of really nice people because good people isn't what Jesus called his bride. Amen? I, I, I want to do life with really good people and really bad people that don't know Jesus because then maybe we can shine a light. And, amen? But, but that ain't what makes up the church. I, I'd rather sell this building and go back to meeting in a rented room than to be a part of a larger thing that's not a Bible-centric Believing church in all things. All spirit. All doctrine. All living. Are you following me? We got to seek power. And I've said, I think I said this Wednesday, I want to repeat it quickly. I've said for years. I said a statement for years and I, I want to correct that today. God convicted me last week. I was just preparing running references and contemplating this message a couple of weeks ago. And last week, God really convicted me. As I'm, as I'm talking about seeking power, and I'm this, this series just messed me up, man, about how I view the church in a good way. And for years, I would make a statement, and I've said it over the last 19 years, I don't know how many times, and I've said that preaching truth straight out of the Word and not putting up with a bunch of nonsense. And not apologizing for the gospel. And loving the unlovable. Meeting people where they are. Never compromising on the faith. Telling the truth and just letting God direct the arrows to wherever it needs to go. I've always said that messages like that has, has just... 
it, it, it'll never grow a church in numbers. I was wrong. God convicted me. I want you to hear me today. I take that back. God's shown me through this study of his bride, the church of Jesus Christ. He has shown me, he's opened my eyes that the local church, it's the only way that you can build a church, a true church, is to preach the truth. Don't apologize for the truth. Again, don't got to be a jerk about it. You don't have to come down and start just gut punching people spiritually. But we can't back off of it. It may not be popular, but it will build the church. So I've been wrong for 19 years. And finally, I'm right once. It will be what grows the church. Amen. Can you imagine what would happen if Living Water Dayton would get serious about our character to the degree that we would fight encroachment and seek power? Like, I mean, like, all of us, regardless of where you are spiritually. I can imagine it. And it leads me to my final point. A church with strong character will not only fight encroachment and seek power. When they do that, they will abound with fruit. Abound with fruit. You say, what's the characteristics of a spirit-filled, spirit-led church? If we're going to abound with fruit, what's that going to be? First of all, we are going to be filled with joy. We'll be filled with joy. It's contagious, amen? It's contagious. You know, there's some folks you try to pass your joy on to, they ain't having it. <laughs> Am I right or wrong? No, man, they ain't having it. Don't be messing up my jacked up life. It's the only thing I got to talk about. It's the only thing that gets me in tension, so don't be... Don't be telling me how I can fix this. No, 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 no. Okay, I'll listen this time, but I'm going to implode in six weeks. You just mark it down. You might know. No, don't raise your hand. See, the first thing you'll notice about people who are spirit-led, spirit-filled, and, and, and they've got the joy of the Lord in their life, I didn't say they wouldn't have pain. I didn't say there wouldn't be problems. Amen. Come on now, somebody. I wouldn't say there wouldn't be hurts. I didn't say there wouldn't be problems. I didn't say they'd never have to go to the ER. But I, I wasn't sad there. Actually, I didn't feel much of anything, but <clears throat> when I did, I wasn't sad. In fact, I was racking my brain because I was able to, for a little while, have a conversation with the nurse that kind of got me hooked up and got the whole thing started. I had this conversation with him. We began to just talk, man. I, 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 there were things going on in my body that were incredibly scary. And man, I just, I just wanted this guy to know, man, I got hope. And I can still be nice to you. I don't got to yell at you. You didn't get me here. I got me here. 
And so he, was, he worked over so that he could be the one to be in the room with me. He, he was off work. And he said, oh. and it, it was at this time, it was getting a little blurry. And I remember he wrote his name. He wrote his phone number down on a paper towel. And he handed it to mom and said, and he looked at me and said, give me a call sometime. This dude, not a believer, not a, give me a call sometime. When you feel better, give me a call sometime. I said, I will, man. He shook my hand, and that's about all I remember. But you can have joy and go through the worst times. But you know you can't without Jesus. You can't. And how do you know that you're starting to, as my daddy said, I know the word's not in the Bible, but it's legit. When you know you're starting to backslide is when you start thinking somebody owes you something. And that you're in a position because of someone else. Did you know that you ain't in any position that didn't have to first go through God's hands? And you can have the joy of the Savior in your life. One of the first fruits you'll see is you'll be filled with joy. In study and revival, which I do frequently, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut my message in half today if that's okay with you. And you're like, yeah, dude, it's almost noon. Yeah, but you know me, I don't care. <clears throat> but I want to cut my message in half today. But I got to say a couple more things. Is that all right? Because I love studying revivals. I'm a student of revival. and I can't wait to see revival come again. I said again. Mm. We fired up. I was studying about the Moravians who on one October morning in the beautiful year of 1727. Jeff, you probably remember this. <laughs> I owed you that, brother. We, they were gathered together in communion. And, and the, man, there was a unity and, a, and just a spirit of joy that fell on that place. And, 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 and just revival began to happen. But, 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 but the overwhelming thing that was the most noticeable was their joy. It was their joy. They left that revival meeting when they, that kept going and kept going. There were always people there where the revival was taking place, and it began to spread. What began to spread? Joy began to spread. And I won't go into the whole story about how, you know, places of ill repute, etc., would begin shutting down, and they were getting saved, and that's what revival does. Amen, amen. But one Moravian said, and I quote, I go along my daily routine with worship in my spirit, praise on my tongue, and joy in my heart. So much that I wonder sometimes if I'm still on earth, or if I've already been taken to heaven. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Listen, 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 listen. You'll get to a place, if we will fight encroachment and seek power, we will get to a place that joy won't need to be worked up. We won't have to try to find things to make us happy to bring us joy. 
Okay, I, I said I'm, cut, I'm still going to cut it in half, but we won't, have to, we won't have to do things that we think bring joy. Joy will come from inside of us and spring out of us like a well of living water. Sound familiar? We won't have to work it up, man. We won't, we won't, we won't have to. We won't have, the band won't have to work up something. I'm so glad. Listen, man, I have led, church, led worship all over this country. I'm thankful for that opportunity that wasn't boastful at all. I, I, said, I say that in humility. I'm thankful for my opportunities. But I'm telling you, man, this church, and my son was the worship, our son was the worship leader here for 10 years, and, and he would always say, Dad, he goes, it, it, it can't be this easy. And I'm like, Bub, some places it is. You, we happen to be blessed to lead a church that is thirsty to worship. The band don't got to work up worship. The band don't got to work you happy. You'll be filled with joy. Amen? Amen. It, it, it's one way that the local church or the, even the big church can be distinguished from the world. We have joy. Amen? Not only that, what will we see will be useful. And, I, and, and, and listen, I, I don't think I need to spend much time on, on, on a Christ follower being useful in the church, especially at Living Water, because of how you guys are such great servants. But I think a characteristic of a Christ follower led by the Spirit belonging in a community of believers, the local church that is led by the Spirit, you won't just serve in the church, you'll serve your community outside. See, see it's easy. Well, it ain't easy. It's natural for a Christ follower to serve in the church. It is not always easy. I correct myself. But it's natural. It's natural. Usually the first thing people say after they get saved, after they, you know, their feet hit the ground again, the first thing they ask me, what can I do? What can I do? Where do you need me? What can I do? What? So that's natural. You know what's not natural? For Christ followers to really serve in their community or neighborhood. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm saying it's not natural. In fact, it's a little surprising to people. It really is. I've talked to them. And do me a favor while I'm on the subject. For the love of Mike, stop apologizing for having joy and loving people. You know, it's okay that you're different than someone else. Be empathetic. Be compassionate, but, 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 but stop trying to hold back who you are. You are who God designed you to be. God, help me. And we need to serve. We will be useful in the church and useful in the community. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1, I have, now listen to this, a great sense of obligation. Some translations say, I am a debtor. I'm in debt to people. 
I am oblig- I have an obligation to people. What's the obligation in both the civilized world and the rest of the world? Some translations translate it different, man, barbarians and the Greeks and blah, blah, to the educated and the uneducated alike. And he goes on to say, so I am eager to come to you in Rome too to preach the good news. I'm eager. I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes the Jews first and also to the Gentile. That'd be me and that'd be you. He was obligated to do what? Serve. To be useful with the gospel to everyone. Amen? Let me close with this. How will we know? will be influential, will be influential. I want Living Water to be a church that's so about God and what Jesus wants for us that she would have a spiritual influence on every other church and every other person in this neighborhood. And I repeat again, I'm not saying we're right and everybody's wrong, but I want us to be an influence. I'm not wanting us to strive to be better. I want us to strive to be influential. Do you hear the difference? Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, you have become an example to all believers in Greece throughout both Macedonia and Achaia. Now listen, in other words, all of Greece. I mean, as, as, as the far as the borders would go. Listen to this. You have become an example to the believers. And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere. Even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. For wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. We don't need to tell them about it. Influence. Characteristics of a spirit-led church. That they're filled with joy, they're useful, and they're influential. Listen, church, my vision, my desire, my goal for you, for my family, for me, it's not perfection because that's impossible. My goal for you, my vision, my desire is We would become spirit-filled daily, continually walking with God, learning how to worship God in spirit and in truth, fighting off encroachment, standing for what's right, lifting our voice when necessary, seeking the power of God every day. Kim and I were talking yesterday. And our faith has grown tremendously in the last several months. And there's a bunch of reasons why. You know I'll eventually get to them. But she said something that was so powerful. And, and we all know it. We're just, we're just lazy. I, I'm just lazy. I won't indict you. I don't know if you are or not. She said, but here's what I learned. My faith has grown My prayer has been ignited. 
And she said, the reason is because I keep at it. I've got to keep on it. I've got to believe it. Even when it don't seem like it, I've got to stay. I, her exact words, or at least really close, Mama, correct me if I'm wrong. I've got to practice what it is I'm reading and praying about. That's my desire, my goal, and my vision for me my beautiful bride, my amazing children and grandchildren and for this incredible church is that you and I, the church, would bite off encroachment, seek power, be filled with the joy of the Lord, be fruitful, amen, and influential. God, I thank you for your word and I thank you for your power. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have given us the privilege to lead such a body. But oh God, I just ask Lord Jesus as we continue to learn about how we can become a better bride. How we can honor our one true husband, Jesus. I pray God that we, we would be willing to take a stand and fight but in love, that we would be willing to let the joy of the Lord flow out of us, even in the darkest of times. God, you didn't promise you'd make me happy. You told me, however, that the joy of the Lord is my strength. So we lean on that. I bless your name, Jesus. And I've asked Trey, I called him last night. I asked Trey to sing a song. I opened this with a media piece called God is Fire. And I asked Trey to sing a song, to lead us in a song entitled, There's No One Like Our God. If you believe that, and I know you do, but if that is going to be what you stand on, I'm going to ask you to stand with me, worship with us. And if there's any part of that equation that we've talked about today that you find yourself lacking, if you're not sticking with it, if you're not seeking power, if you're not being influential in a positive way, if you're not being useful in the church and in the community for the love of God, as we sing, just talk to God in your heart. God, this is for you. It's because of you. And anything good that's happened here today is because of you. We love you, Jesus. Church, would you stand and let's sing.